0: Welcome to the Why on Earth Communities Stewardship and Sustainability Podcast Series. Today we have the opportunity to visit with Kimba Aram. Hi, Kimba. Hi. It's so nice to be with you.
1: Wonderful to have you
0: here. So we are in Kimba's studio, and we're going to be talking about healing and sound and water. And uh, Kimba's going to also demonstrate some of these amazing and really unique instruments that she works with. Before we dive into all of that, let me give you a little bit of Kimba's background. Kimba is an international performer and recording artist, sound engineer, molecular biologist, classically trained in piano and flute, a subtle energy therapist, and full-time spiritual seeker since her transformational wake-up call, a near-death experience in 1992. One major realization given to her was the awareness that the basis of everything is essentially vibration. Soon after that event, while attending graduate school studying Taoist acupuncture and herbs, she was introduced to the ancient idea of using sound as medicine, which combined her passion for music with service to others. She has now been practicing music therapy and various other subtle energy modalities for over 20 years. In addition to this, Kimba has actively been involved in shamanic practices from around the world since 1994. She incorporates tapping into harmonizing energies beyond the five main senses into her productions and therapy work, which has involved individual sound sessions, workshops, group sound journeys, scoring, the production of 13 albums, and a movie called Secret of Water. Kibba co-founded and is president of an integral health clinic, Radiance Health, which incorporates both Western and complementary medicine. She is dedicated to educating and assisting the planet in gentle awakening and transformation through sacred sound and vibrational medicine. And I might also point out, among all of these beautiful things that you've produced uh, include this album that you co-created, Kimba, with Dr. Andrew Weil, called Self-Healing with Sound and Music. And I am so excited that we have this opportunity to visit with you and, and uh, have a bit of uh, sound experience with you. And Before diving into this rich uh, set of topics, I want to ask, Kimba, can you... Share with us a bit about this near-death experience and and why that was so pivotal for you.
2: Mm. Um, that's a really huge topic, um, so I'll I'll just kind of go to the essence of what how it applies to our our topic today. But um, so my my background was um, science. I in college at least, you know, I grew up a nature lover, a music lover. I was um, trained in classical piano and silver flute. Um, But then as I got older, I didn't see music even though it was my heart, it was natural talent, it was Mm -hmm. my passion, um, but I didn't like being in front of people. (laughs) Even today it's not my thing, although spirit had a different plan for my life. Mm -hmm. I, I don't seek to be on stage or perform or anything. Music was always my medicine. But I only knew music as well, you get up on stage and you perform and you entertain people. And that's what I was doing growing up in concerts and <clears throat> piano recitals. But it just, it, I could not see doing that my whole life. Mm-hmm. I'm not like mm-hmm. that kind of person that gets fueled by that. So I, I decided that, you know, my father was a doctor, that I'm going to go to medical school. Um, but I love nature, so I studied. Um, the, um, molecular biology was kind of my major in mm. college, but um, it wasn't, I didn't realize this that I had fallen asleep to my life's purpose slowly, mm. which I think happens to most of us um, in the culture and the times we live in. In 1992, I was about to graduate, um, top of my class, honors, molecular biology, minor math and physics, pre med going to enter medical school, and I had a big wake-up call. Um, this, is, this is a whole story in itself, actually mm-hmm. what happened in this near-death experience. I did not know at the time what it was because I had no no spiritual lingo, no community, no references for this, what mm-hmm. happened to me. Um, I started to read voraciously after that. Mm-hmm. Like, few books a week on all these different topics and got into the Castaneda material and anything I could mm. find out was um, spiritually oriented. Or, but I read a Raymond Moody's book called Life After Life and every single, uh, so he was cataloging near-death experiences of people, um, thousands of people, and they all had similar um, themes. Every single thing he touched upon happened in my experience, mm. except there was a few more things that he didn't talk about, we all get the life review. That's a very common theme in people who have had these experiences where you see all of your life and the perfection of it and everything that brought you to this moment and yourself uh, outside of time, really. It's a really, you don't see it like a movie. You see it like your life is an object. But it's uh, it's already, in a certain timeline, your future and your past are kind of determined. But, from the moment you're in, you can change your past and your future. Hmm. Kind of hard to describe, but that's what I was shown, so I was actually shown my um, preview of how my life would end. Hmm. The age, I was actually, I was going to die at 42, I'm now 40, almost 48 in a couple hmm. of weeks, but, um, so I definitely changed my timeline. Hmm. Um, and I was, I was given my prognosis, which was uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma. I had no idea what mm, it was. Mm. I had not gone to medical school yet. Mm. Um, and I, and I did, didn't end up going to medical school. But it turns out it was a cancer of the lymph nodes. I had to look it up. And this was before Internet, so you know, I had to get a book on mm. <laughs> medical diagnoses. <laughs> so, but the essence of this experience was I came back basically a baby again. I think mm. I feel that this is where we come from. Um, The place when we are born and when we die, we go to um, a realm that if we tap back into it sometime in our life, it's like starting over Mm -hmm. because you remember and you see things outside of time, you see yourself, you see the perfection. You basically, as I see it, enter the mind of Creator. We are all the Creator, um, and then this is a fractal, (laughs) you know, kind of uh, layers down version of the fractal that each of our lives is like the cell in the body of Brahma, the, the Vedas in in India would refer the creator as this being and we're each a part of it. I got an experience of that. It's not a theoretical. It was like, we are all God. Um, but every one of us, not just some of us, you know, so that's an important key. It's very humbling. Um, So, but because I was a baby, (laughs) I knew I wasn't gonna go to medical school, however, I was shown that was going to lead me in the path that was not, not only would be an early death, but not following my, now I have a word called dharma, Mm -hmm. after studying the Buddhist um, culture, which I feel very connected to as well, but that we have a life's purpose. Um, Every cell in our body has a function and we are all, meant to fulfill whatever that function is and if you follow your heart you follow your passion then you are fulfilling your purpose in life mm-hmm. and i had no idea what that was because i had gotten into this mindset my mind thinking i was supposed to be something but it wasn't really my true gift Yeah. Um, which i always loved music mm-hmm. but i had no idea how to make that my livelihood <laughs> you know um so i was like a baby However, this instrument entered my life, um, called the didgeridoo. This yes. was in 1993. Yes. The near death happened in 1992. I was about to graduate, and I knew I had to finish college, but I didn't know why. And because I was still not in my body for it took about four years after this near death to get really grounded back in reality. <laughs> But here I am. I got to mm. graduate. Spirit or My higher self is saying, mm. you got to graduate. So I'm walking to organic chemistry, right? Going like, why am I here? I'm not going to be a doctor. I'm not going to use this degree for anything. I'm melting in trees as I walk to class. Like I get sucked into every tree that I walk by and start to just commune with it. It was like a magnet. this phenomenon that happened mm-hmm. for a few months. Mm. So I'm walking to... To organic chemistry, and I see a lady lying down, uh, si- li- sitting in the grass with this instrument lying next to her. Um, I was magnetically drawn to it, and I went up to her, and I said, "What is that? Please play it mm-hmm. for me." And she said, "It's called a dream pipe." Her partner, who was making those out of the local cactus in Arizona, Alan Shockley, and uh, she played this instrument. I'd never heard one before, never seen one. And that sound was a key, literally a key, like in musical mm-hmm. terms, like it unlocks something. I heard that sound and I'm like, I need one now, mm-hmm. this is the only thing really that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. And that was why I needed to continue mm-hmm. my college degree so I could meet her and mm-hmm. meet this instrument. Yes. And plus there's other reasons for that um, fractal of, of the degree. but this instrument turned out to be my guide and my teacher and it still is this is 27 years Mm -hmm. later Mm -hmm. um i just played that instrument i played it all the time that sound it connected me back to this place that i went in my near-death experience and that was where i was just like how do i get back there people who also have near-death experiences it's very difficult to come back into this world Mm -hmm. and you you understand you're in a realm of Death, decay, mm. everything you love, everyone you love, your own body will mm. fall away and decay. Mm. It's, it's not an immortal realm.
3: <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a very
2: time-limited, at least the time we live in on the planet. And what you tap into is the part of you that doesn't decay, that is timeless, that is mm. ecstatic. It's mm-hmm. really the ultimate uh, addiction, I could say. Yeah. Every addict is seeking that state.
0: Carl Jung spoke about that a fair bit, actually. I, Super yes. Super interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I love his work. Yeah.
2: Yes. He was, we're all tapping into the same piece of the fractal.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so when I play the didgeridoo, I realized, number one, that I don't breathe. Mm. And when I moved to Hawaii later, um, I learned that haole is the, ho- haole they say, but it's haole is a Hawaiian word, and it means without breath, mm-hmm. and that's what white people, we're called, mm-hmm. um, and I definitely noticed in the culture that we live in, we do not breathe. Mm. in every culture mm. around the world, except English, the language refers to breath and spirit are the same word. Right. And in English, they're separated out. Yeah. And so what I realized is like I'm not breathing, and therefore I'm not really bringing my full spirit. I'm not incarnating fully. Mm-hmm. I'm still kind of like halfway. Out of my physical form.
1: Yeah.
2: And I think there's a lot of problems with that, not only level of consciousness, but health wise. Absolutely. And, you know, mm. we, we need to, and so the didgeridoo became my teacher.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Not only is the ultimate pranayama, how to, the circular breathing. It took yeah. me about a week to get circular breathing, but about four weeks where it was effortless. Four, four years, I'm sorry. Yeah. Four yeah. years of really playing it all the time where circular breathing became, but I didn't care. I just needed to make this sound.
0: Yeah. You know, maybe some of our audience may not be entirely familiar with circular breathing, and I actually, as I was sharing with you previously, uh, have played some didgeridoo. Yeah. And that, that whole process of being able to continuously make sound with our breath is so profound. It's so magical. I love your comment, too, about the language the etymological relationship between what we call spirit and what we call mm-hmm. breath of course the latin roots spirit inspiration aspiration perspiration uh, spiritus there's inspire. there's a great inspire right the spirit coming into us and then in some of the uh, proto indo european uh, language roots we find this this atmos atman 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 brahman uh, in India, and Atmos, atmosphere, through the Greek, Atmen, is to breathe in German. And it's just such a magical and important, I think, part of our practice as humans. Mm-hmm. And I know uh, many of the practitioners that we're increasingly connecting with through the Why on Earth community make breath work a very central part of their own personal uh, day-to-day practice Mm -hmm. so i am hoping maybe you can tell us just a little more about what is the didgeridoo and what's this whole thing about circular breathing
2: yeah the didgeridoo it's um such a huge topic but it's the perfect uh segue into sound Mm -hmm. as the the universal om or the sound Mm -hmm. nada brahma the sound of the creator um the oldest mandala in the world the the sri yantra is um, represented as this um, kind of almost like this um, structure mm. fractalized, and it's the sound of Ohm. Yes. And that's it's basically Ohm is considered to be the sound of the creator, or I, or the you know, modern physics call it like background radiation of the Big Bang, the mm. creation. Mm-hmm. It's a vibration, but it's out of this, this coherent frequency, it's like a field everything emerges, everything is vibration, differing levels of, um, it's like a fractal, mm-hmm. but it's the ultimate fractal mm-hmm. of sound. Um, even light is a frequency. Um, we, when we refer to sound, it's a little confusing because we think of sound as auditory. Mm-hmm. But the spectrum of frequency in the cosmos, I mean, the auditory is just like a hair mm-hmm. in this infinite you know, bandwidth of frequency. Mm-hmm. The, what we can hear like um, 20 to 20,000 Hertz is the average frequency. Um, I actually uh, hear above and below mm-hmm. the uh, hearing range of 20 to 20,000, there, there are many of us, um, but it's, it's a form of audience that yes. I've had that only amplified I've had since a, a yeah. child, but um, normally we just hear in a pretty limited bandwidth. But um, everything is sound and the didgeridoo is the perfect example of that. It's one note. There might be different keys depending on the length of the pipe or the diameter or the density of the material. Mm. But it, it doesn't really matter. It's it's a monochord, actually. I actually had a dream. Mm. I had studied um, Socrates and Plato in high school. I had a great mm. philosophy teacher. And one of the things that Socrates said, Socrates and Plato and this whole school of um, Greek, um, teachings of Mm -hmm. uh, the cosmos was based in geometry and sound and how everything is uh, coming, emanating out of that. And um, Socrates said something that always stuck with me, he said, study the monochord and you will discover the secrets of creation. So what is the monochord? The way he demoed it was like a string with like, you know, guitars have frets. And so a monochord is just a string with a uh, secured on either side. And the length of the string and what it's made out of its diameter and everything would affect mm-hmm. what note it was. But the monochord didn't matter the note, the fact that it was one note. Yeah. So I had this dream shortly after learning the didgeridoo, where it came into my life, that the didgeridoo was a monochord. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a pipe, basically, and there's an entry and an exit point. So it's basically one note And the string, instead of a physical string, it's your breath,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: is the string. And it's amplifying the vibration of your breath, made audible. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was like, wow, study the monochord and you'll discover the secrets of creation. Well, I have to say the didgeridoo has been one of my greatest teachers, Mm -hmm. top two. The other is a little bunny that's in my life, a little rabbit. Uh, (laughs) Funny teachers, (laughs) who come in unexpected forms. and. Uh, at times of life when we need them, but um, you know the the Aboriginals, which uh, have carried forth in Australia yes. this instrument at least a hundred and fifty thousand years. Mm-hmm. It's the oldest instrument we know of, older than the drum, at least as far as the records mm-hmm. can tell, mm-hmm. um, and maybe older than that. They said that the didgeridoo was the sound of. Um, Basically, the dream time, which is where we go when we die and where we come from before we're born, and it's this field of information that we can tap into with that sound and uh, commune with our ancestors. Ancestors live there, it kind of reminds me of Ava, you know, in um, Avatar, yes, right. Um, this tree of soul, you commune with this place where we go, and and I was like, Yeah, when I died, that is. I really feel that it mm. taps me. When I had my near death, and, and then I heard that sound, it was like, oh, this is a tool for accessing that realm. And what I realized that when I play, and I've actually been involved in some research where they measure the brain waves. so you're yeah. wearing this thing, and there are some feedback devices um, where you can learn how to control your brainwaves. There's like alpha, um, th- where most of the time we're in beta, which is like. Every day walking around consciousness, um, there's the bandwidth like four, 12 to 14 hertz, and then there's alpha, which is like 8 to 12 hertz. So we go into the meditative. Then there's theta, it's kind of in between sleep, and then there's delta, which is kind of dreamless deep sleep, very slow brain waves. And there's other brain waves. Those are the main ones, but then there's a new one. One of the new ones is called gamma, and they were studying Tibetan monks who could go into this brainwave state when they were in very deep states of meditation. Mm-hmm. And it's like above 40 hertz. And then there's ones above that. But that's kind of the, the one that um, this device was measuring. It could measure. And so you can see the, there's like a little ball that goes up, goes down, and you try to regulate the brainwaves by having the feedback on the screen of what your brain mm-hmm. is doing. Couldn't touch the gamma. Hmm. But when I played the didge, the gamma the little ball went all the way to the top. Like there was mm-hmm. just like a spiraling ball as the visual. Mm-hmm. And um <laughs> I couldn't touch it and then I stopped playing and it would go back down. <laughs> wow. But I was like gamma. And so <laughs> what I realized um with the didgeridoo is that when I'm playing it, it puts me in a state of consciousness that I very much like. Yes. That I wish I I always said uh you know, the only problem with the didge now is that I just want to be playing it all the time, mm-hmm. walking around. Or, but I think it is a tool to learn how to reference a certain state of consciousness and then live it. Part of it has to do with your breathing. You need right. to be embodying your spirit. Right. Um, but it's the you're in training. There's a word in sound therapy that we use, and that entrainment is a uh, entrainment's happening all the time. Like mm-hmm. women who live together start to menstruate together. Mm-hmm. Um, or you, you hear music and you just can't help certain, mo- you know, moving. Mm-hmm. That's a form of entrainment. But it's also a very physical phenomenon. Things in the room, uh, like pendulum clocks, will all, you know, if there's a bunch in the room, they'll all end up synchronizing. Yeah. And entrainment is going on with everything all the time. We're entraining to the moon And all the planets, that's a form of astrology. And so when you're listening to music, your brainwaves actually entrain to the sounds. Um, So some of my, like this album has, um, a lot of albums have binaural beats, which are kind of not audible, but they're in the background. And you can set them in the frequency range of delta or theta or alpha. Um, or whatever you choose, and then you encode it in the music, and you naturally it helps your brain to kind of go into these relaxed, expanded mm. states. So that's one of the physics principles behind why sound is therapeutic. Um, why the didgeridoo? Mm. You know, for me, it was like it was a teacher to understand what is it like to be in these really expanded states of consciousness.
1: Mm.
2: I had that in my near death, but I didn't know how to embody it. One of the things I was shown is like, I'm not even in my body. Yeah. Part of it was I wasn't breathing. I was a very shallow breather. Many people mm. are very shallow breathers. Mm. It is a real discipline to learn how to breathe. Right. It's a lifelong yeah. discipline. Yeah. And so I t- actually have been teaching workshops in the didgeridoo mm. for about 20 years. Um, but I don't teach it as a musical instrument. I teach it as like the ultimate embodying tool. This is not... Mm you may mm. never play it for anybody else. It's not a performance instrument. I mean, now you can mm. play it right. like I do with group sound sessions, but I have people like lie down. It's not a performance. This yeah. is a journey. Yeah. The aboriginals used it as a way of communing with ancestors that mm. healing the earth or playing the song of the different regions to send, they saw themselves as caregivers of the planet. Yeah. So they're playing the didgeridoo as an act of communion for Gaia, for this earth. So. Most, That's how I teach it. We might
0: say most of our indigenous ancestors all around the planet understood on some level their the critical role of caregiving and caretaking of our mm-hmm. planet. And I want to make sure we'll connect back to that dot mm-hmm. in, a, in a little bit on in the conversation. And I just I wanted to articulate that because it's one of the mm-hmm. themes we find ourselves turning to fairly often. Yeah, uh, how important it is for each of us to understand that part of our own heritage, wherever our people may come from on the planet, that uh, that indigeneity is something we all share on some level.
2: Yeah, yeah. And in all cultures, all like I, I connect to, I use Native American songs and um, flutes and um, aboriginals, um, Tibetan uh any culture that I've studied, I'm like, I resonate with you. I love this about you, and all their music—it's a universal language with different yeah. flavors, but it's all the one. We're all—it's all the same
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, thing that all religions, all um, all beings. I mean, that was what the near death showed me. Is like everything is one. This yeah. is not a, a concept. This is like something you just know, <laughs> right? And you will not That's forget. True but how to live in this world of apparent separation where we seem separate bodies Mm -hmm. and where this everything it's just the nature of third dimension duality it's Mm -hmm. a stage you know Mm -hmm. but it's a challenge Mm -hmm. but that's why i love music because it's a universal language like you can really like i might not speak all these other languages um and people might dress different or have different you know cultural practices or different kinds of foods but when you listen to the music from any culture Something in you gets it, yep. even though it's different. It's like, yeah, I get that. This yeah. is a language that animals understand. All animals mm. understand music. Mm. Um, so, for me, after my near death, it was like the perfect and the didgeridoo co- totally opened my path. I was like, mm. make me an instrument creator, and then this came in, and yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm the instrument. Yeah, you know. And I read, I learned about Saint Francis. So I'm like, ah, these are my people. You know. Right. And, start to see that all these different mystics have had similar visions and experiences, different ways of saying it. And we just got to find our way. So, you know, music became my way to stay connected to spirit. And, um, and then it turned into like, Oh, people, if I go on this ride, when I play, I'm just, I'm not here to entertain. I'm here to commune yeah, because that's what we're all seeking. And then. If I can just stay in that space and there's other people around, they can go with me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I realized that this, and I started to study the ancient history of music therapy. and I mean, that's how it was designed. Music wasn't designed, not designed, but the, the cultures used it for midwiving birth, for midwiving death, mm-hmm. for communion with the earth, for healing, mm-hmm. very deep healing practices, like real healing. But it wasn't about the musician being the healer. The musician is like a minister, and mm-hmm. a minister—the real role, in my mind, of the minister—is an intermediary, sure. messenger. Right. And my, I'm zero degree Gemini, so that's like Hermes, right? Mm-hmm. The Caduceus. He is the messenger of the gods, mm-hmm. but he's the messenger. It's not his message. Right. It's not like I'm going to heal you. That's why this CD is self-healing with sound and music. Mm. I'm not going to heal you with my sound. Mm. I'm going to commune because this is my dharma, and if it if it helps your consciousness to expand to a place where you can go out and affect your own healing, because I feel like consciousness expansion, like ayahuasca can do, or now they've decriminalized mushrooms. You know, Mm. in the right set and setting, different tools or techniques can expand our consciousness where we heal ourselves. If you cut your finger, a right. doctor can address it, put, you know, healing balm on it, but you're going to heal that mm. finger mm. with time and from the inside.
0: You know, one of the things I'd love to dive a little deeper into has to do with these different frequencies. And we've we've used the term Hertz a few times, and I'm sure many of our audience knows it, is familiar with it, but I just I want to point out Hertz means uh, cycles per second, basically. So, we know that our cells are vibrating at different cycles. Uh, We know that all of the light spectrum from visible, which we can all see, to things like radio waves, infrared, ultraviolet, all of these are basically different frequencies, right? And we also know that in the ancient Mediterranean region around uh, Greek, Roman, Amphitheaters, when they were doing performances, they would often place specially designed uh, vases with water in them throughout the audience uh, to help amplify the resonance. And one of the interesting things, of course, is that this connection between frequency and water we are mostly water, mm-hmm. 72% or thereabouts. And of course, living creatures, whether they're mountain lions or little bunnies or ferns or giant redwoods or blue whales or microalgae and other microorganisms. It's, they're all we are all, made of water. And life is uh, where water is. So I'm, I'm wondering if we can dive a bit into these different frequencies, especially that 432 Hertz and that 528 hertz. And what that might mean for our our healing work, for our own bodies, and potentially even for other parts of our living planet, ecosystems, and so forth. I know that's a lot, so yeah. maybe we start with 432, and uh, um. and uh, what, so we've got all these different instruments tuned to different frequencies, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And our ancient roots, it, it seems, many cultures were. Uh, aware, cognizant of different frequencies having healing properties and so forth. And so the, the tuning and the use of certain frequencies is apparently of great importance.
2: Mm. Huge topic. Um, well, I, I think we, we can discuss a way to, to bring those two together, which I think water and this topic can be related. So we, we did this movie, I co produced and scored Secret of Water. Yeah. Um, and this. If you see on the cover, this uh, it's a kind of perfect um, geometrical water mm. molecule frozen, mm. and then the flower of life, part of the flower of life design superimposed, which is a sacred
0: geometric design. That, yes, and here's another. So we have important. a little yeah. mini, um, yeah.
2: but this is actually a not just a two-dimensional. This is a three and beyond multi-dimensional right. form of what I see the way I see it is um, it's coherent Mm -hmm. structure Mm -hmm. and so um, water when it's healthy they have found like water that is from a a pristine spring or that's been prayed into um, Mm -hmm. or has been structured with some kind of coherent um, harmonic frequency versus like Anger or hate or pollution, mm, mm. water exposed to that will not crystallize usually, or it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It forms distorted crystals. But very right. coherently structured water with sound, um, with prayer, with um, different things can structure water. Mm-hmm. Um, healthy earth yeah, area, healthy ecosystems, ecosystem, yeah. and so, which is interesting because in the Vedic tradition with the chakra system, the mm. the the geometry of the heart chakra mm-hmm. is also the structure. Yeah. And so the way I see the heart chakra, why that's important is is basically generating your field. Like the earth has um, a magnetic field that goes up and goes down inside. And also Nassim Haramein, um, who um, is a friend of ours and I've worked with, I've um, studied his material um, in relation to this, is showing that space when it's, coherently structured, has a similar, um, this kind of infinite flower of life, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's like everything is full with this Mm -hmm. geometry, not just the things we see, space, water, and we through consciousness and intention with harmony or discord, Mm -hmm. and so can water, and sound can be a tool to align us with this harmony of the universe, okay. the things that we associate with um, elevated states of consciousness when we feel uh, oneness with all of life, mm. or near-death experience mm. when we go back to the mind of God. These are, um, or we know what it's like to not be in coherence and feel mm. depression or anger or fear. These are all vibrations. They're consciousness states, but they are ultimately vibrations that are not coherent. Mm -hmm. And so the power of, and the other thing about the center of the heart chakra is I believe that, you know, where North, so in third dimension, we have polarity, which creates movement and Mm -hmm. all of the forms we see. That's how cells divide. That's Mm -hmm. my background, molecular biology. That's how cells divide. Duality. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: It's not bad. There is no bad or good. they're actually two sides of the same coin of seeing from the higher dimensions Mm -hmm. that's the gift of expanded states where you get out of polarity and you can reframe reality from that problems cannot be solved on the same level of uh, thinking or consciousness that created them. so if you have a problem if you need healing the planet it's no there's no bad or good Mm-hmm. There's only experience. Mm-hmm. And we can polarize, but that tramps us in samsara, in Buddhist. It's, it's aversion craving. It's polarity. But it's not, it's a, pl- it's a place to learn about yeah. that experience. But then we keep going. <laughs> we keep evolving, ideally, mm. over however mm. many lives. But the place in the heart, there's this place where north becomes south. And mm-hmm. they're right in the middle of them which I think Nassim was saying there might be a black hole there, Mm -hmm. might be black holes everywhere, which is a white hole in Mm -hmm. another dimension maybe. Mm -hmm. It's like a birth into a higher dimension. That's how I took it in. But it's like, it's a portal to non-duality, to higher states of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so the beauty of this, coming back to this geometry, this coherent geometry, is in the center of this, uh, what Buckminster Fuller also called the vector equilibrium, is the center of this, perfect geometry, it's the most stable structure there is. It's not polarized, but it's also a doorway to the, uh, the higher dimensions, which mm-hmm. is where I think, I feel healing happens and ex- consciousness expansion happens and that's what we're all seeking mm-hmm. through music, through healing, through our, our life experience here. And so, structuring water with coherent sound, which is f- fueled by intention. So the consciousness rides, it can be a a beautiful sound, but if it's created by a machine that doesn't have a Mm. heart or intention, Mm. I don't think it's going to have the same effect as being created by a human. And it may not be a perfect sound, or you may sing something, Mm. but it's not like you're not an operatic perfect singer, but Mm. your consciousness can ride that frequency. And that is the consciousness and the sound together have the effect. Mm. And so. that's the importance of water, how when we do sound therapy or we're being affected by frequencies, we're mm. mostly water. Yeah. Actually, everything alive, our bodies, right. the earth, same pretty much same proportions, all living things. I mean, minerals are alive um, mm. and so are, everything is alive, but the things that we're mostly interacting with, you know, plants yeah, and animals. The so DNA. Yeah, is, Yeah, DNA doesn't work without water. It's right. all in the water. So if we can structure that, harmonically, mm-hmm. we're going to achieve what we're looking mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. And so how it ties into the 432, and you know, there's a lot of controversy in the sound community mm-hmm. of what's the perfect, you know, tuning. And um, many, many years, I have a whole section on my website on 432 of all the research, and um, and then people say, oh, you know, there's just a lot of dis, dis, Um, Disagreements on, but my experience with four thirty two is that uh, so four thirty two is referring to the note A, and and it's it's maybe more technical than we need to go into. But if you're in music, all the other notes in the scale are calculated relative to A. Mm -hmm. This is how we do it now. And is
0: that that's the A above middle C on a piano, or below, or close to middle C? Above middle C. Above middle C. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and then um, and I don't think the ancients maybe. Did it quite this way? I think mm-hmm. they were tuning more um, uh, in other ways. Sure. They didn't have little yeah. digital tuners and stuff. Right. Uh, however, um, and that's cycles per second. So then there's a um, an equation, uh, a number that you multiply 432 or 440 is what the standard tuning is. Some yeah. people say that was changed recently mm-hmm. by the Nazi regime to 440, but mm-hmm. before that. The Stradivarius violin, which is the most finely tuned instrument in the world, is tuned to 432.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And when I get uh, indigenous instruments that aren't tuned precisely, some are these days they make them in 440 so you can Mm. play with other musicians, you're all in the same tuning. Um, But if they're not and they're tuned kind of by ear Mm. or more by indigenous people or the didgeridus, they're pretty much most of the instruments I get are in 432, naturally. Mm -hmm. Or if I pick up a guitar and I just tune it by ear. And then I tune it later with Digitalist in 432. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a piano that I grew up learning on. It was an upright. And my parents hadn't tuned it in like 20 years, right? So I was telling them, hey, you know, I've been studying 432. When you have it tuned, we put our piano here in 432 in Colorado. They're in Arizona. Why don't you have the guy put in 432? Mm-hmm. You're going to have it tuned mm-hmm. just so the grandkids can play on it. And uh, The guy came over and it was in 432. Wow. It had settled into 432. So the idea is that, um, you know, there's in in ancient structures like Teotihuacan Mm -hmm. and the Great Pyramid of Giza and many of these megalithic sites that were probably created by sound, actually, plus consciousness. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of writings in there, the writings we have, you know, a lot of these didn't. Have they were oral traditions or but a lot of these um, cultures refer to sound as how they created things we can't even replicate today. We cannot replicate the Great Pyramid or temporal Baalbek and all of these like megalithic huge stone structures, totally precisely aligned. If you measure certain dimensions in the relative height or length of the buildings or their halls or Uh, Relative to each other, they're usually harmonically structured. Almost all of them are, and 432 is a recurring pattern, recurring number. And the if you calculate the other notes relative to 432, they all come out to whole numbers. Mm -hmm. But if you use 440, you get these endlessly repeating fractalized, Mm -hmm. you know, digital uh, digits repeating numbers. So it's kind of like it's not Mm a. I see 440 is not a coherent frequency. Mm It's kind of like our, cal- our calendar isn't totally mm. tuned to the cosmic, you right. know. the rhythms
0: that are real. They're yeah.
2: a little off, yeah. you know. Um, there are That's why we, have,
0: why we have leap year and things like that.
2: Leap this, year, too. and, you know, it doesn't really account for the moons very well. And, right. you know, the, and no one pays attention to solstices and equinoxes. Mm. More, and more. more and more. More and more. <laughs> Not nobody, yet. yeah. But there, so the way I see it is everything is vibration. Everything is harmonics. Yeah. if you're in coherence and so why not align our consciousness with the coherence of the cosmos right with nature which is already right. the way the fibonacci and the golden mean and all yeah. these sacred geometrical forms of how nature is structured right and our bodies too the proportions of our bodies yeah. like the vitruvian man right which we're da Vinci, all, yeah. yeah we're we are structured it's just our because we have free will mm-hmm. we can choose Which is a learning. I see it's all perfect, even that. We can choose to be out of harmony with the cosmos. But if we've learned that lesson, however many lives or whatever, or enough pain in this life, Mm. you know, let's use the tools we have to harmonize ourselves with the cosmos. And certain kinds of frequencies coupled with certain kinds of consciousness, and sometimes uh, ancient people used plant medicines who could help shift your... Consciousness out of the material mode of mm-hmm. the small bandwidth that we're usually focused on for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, and then align ourselves with the cosmos, with the harmony of the spheres. You yeah. know, the planets make a, a vibration and a frequency. They actually nice. make geometrical yeah. patterns in their yeah. relative cycles to us and each other. Everything is vibration. So, this is a tool, and 432. For me, I just there's too many things that as I've studied it, mm-hmm. it's like it's a really it's much more in tune with the cosmic patterning of this flower of life of the geometries of nature um, than any other frequency that that I've um, studied. However, I think that we can transcend the limitations of. Because then there's this, what it comes down to, what I've been thinking about lately is like, who determines what a second is? 432 is cycles per second. Mm-hmm. Is a second like part of like a division or is an arbitrary, um, you know, like a mile or a meter or how we divide space? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a man-made thing. You know, in nature, like the Fibonacci, it's not, it's about relative like a fractal like the way sure. things are relative to each other right. it's all symbiosis right yeah. everything is harmonically related to each other it's not necessarily about the unit mm-hmm. so i started to think well 432 is cycles per second mhm so what if a second is an accurate division mhm so what transcends all of this mind stuff cuz you can get into, people are like oh it's the, you know the lan horowitz has this thing about the um, um, I'm forgetting the, there's another, the solfeggio. People are all solfeggio teaching, you know. Mm. Um, it's, it's different philosophies and then people fight about them mm. and they defend. Mm. And anything that does that, I'm like, you know, mm. there's a bigger picture here.
1: Yeah.
2: And what I think the bigger picture is is consciousness. Mm-hmm. Any you can use 440 and if you're playing it with so much love mm. and so much intention, I think it can overcome the limitation. Mm. U- ultimately everything's a placebo too. You study the placebo mm-hmm. effect, is like the mind and the belief can override any physical limitations. Mm. Mm. You know, like why can certain yogis drink poison and not right. die? Right. Well, if we went to the physics behind it, it would be impossible. Mm-hmm. So, we can overcome any limitation, including a tuning with consciousness. Mm-hmm. But, you know, back to the heart, like if we're coming from this place of, like, what is our intention with anything you do? You know, but when I create the sound, when I play the didgeridoo or flute, am I playing because I want you to think I'm great? Or I want to make money off this? Or because this is my way to commune with the cosmos mm-hmm. and I hope that it helps others? So truly. It's just, that's what's more important than the sound itself.
0: You know, one of the things that strikes me is there's, in the medieval tradition and even the ancient tradition of Western uh, education, mystery schools, uh, is this body of subjects called the quadrivium that includes geometry, music, astronomy, and math, arithmetic and it's all about pattern and frequency, and it's so amazing to be able to perceive these interconnections and these patterns showing up all over the place. Of course, Pythagoras was all uh, about this, as was da Vinci many centuries later. With the work we're doing at Why on Earth, including this uh, coming uh, uh, summit that we're hosting May 17th to 19th, we do a lot of that Heart connection with intention with water and with living biology in special Mm -hmm. compost preparations in the biodynamic tradition to help activate and even heal soil ecology forest ecology gardens farms and that connection of that that heart is so important any of us who might have a practice of prayer in whatever tradition will know that that connection of heart is perhaps difficult to describe sometimes, mm-hmm. but, but so essential, and we're living in a time when there is a profound need for healing in our own selves, our own bodies, our minds, our emotional bodies, and in our living biosphere, and it seems one of the things we can be doing a lot more of is connecting with heart and collaborating with you know microbiome when it comes to soil and uh, doing this kind of healing work. So we'll we'll be exploring and sharing this uh, kind of experience together at the summit, which is coming up. It's massively mobilizing sustainability, deep leadership for the 21st century. If you go to whyonearth.org, you'll see a link to the page that has a short video about the summit, as well as our speaker lineup. It's going to be amazing. Um, and I also want to, before I forget, mention that all of our audience can uh, download our ebook and audiobook resources for free uh, using the code MOBILIZE. Uh, that's also at whyonearth.org. And with the summit and with this podcast series, I want to thank our sponsors. Uh, that includes Patagonia, Equal Exchange, the Association of Waldorf Schools of North America the International Society of Sustainability Professionals, Purium Wele Waters, the Lidge Family Foundation, and Earth Coast Production. So thank you to all of you for supporting our Stewardship and Sustainability podcast series as well as our upcoming Summit, Massively Mobilizing Sustainability. And today we have the great pleasure and privilege of visiting with Kimba Arem and we are talking about the healing power of sound as it relates to water, uh, and as it relates to life. And you can find more about Kimba's work at uh, a handful of websites. We've got RadianceHealth.com, and I'll put all of this in the show notes. SecretOfWaterTheMovie.com. Uh, that's about the movie that Kimba referred to earlier, and. How do you pronounce this? G-A-Earth?
2: G-A-Earth.
0: G-A-E-A
2: is the old
0: uh, spelling spelling of Gaia. Gaia. And
2: then earth, so the old and the new.
0: Oh, beautiful. I didn't know that. So it's G-A-E-A-R-T-H dot com. And uh, I am so excited that part of what we're going to do today is we get to hear some Mm -hmm. of this amazing sound and music that you create, Kimba. And I thought, if if you'd like we might uh we might do a little segue into sharing some of that um and we can continue talking too well while, while you're well, getting we can everything just, do
2: you want to start with the flute or?
0: sure so what is this this is one of the most amazing instruments i just got to hear it a, a little bit ago before we started recording and i, I tell you it is celestial
2: uh, this is called a. I just call it a four-chamber flute. Uh, it's a one-of-a-kind. Uh, they're not in production, as far as I know, anymore. But uh, this was made when I was living on Kauai. A man who was living, I lived up on Kahuna Road, and he lived at the end of the road in this little bamboo forest for a while, and was oh making these crazy instruments. He just invented this. Wow. And he burned these, you know, Mandelbrot type fractal amazing. images. This is all done by hand. It's
0: beautiful. Beautiful so instrument. basically,
2: one hole and then four chambers. So I call it the four-chamber flute. Let's
0: and we've got we've got a slight uh, reverb set up yeah. here. So we're going to have a little bit of additional digital uh, fun layered into this. But the the layerings of sound coming from the instrument itself are just fabulous, magnificent. Yeah.
2: These are some didgeridoos, but this is one I, um, one of the crystal ones I designed. Mm -hmm. Um, It's made out of quartz crystal, and it's kind of mapped off the way that the um, the tapering of one of my wooden ones. Because we tried some models Mm -hmm. that were not like the Fibonacci kind of the way that nature Mm -hmm. grows things, and Mm -hmm. they didn't sound right. Mm. When we finally modeled nature,
1: <laughs> oh, came yeah. out uh, yeah. pretty well.
2: So, and I usually play this with um, a matching key in the, in the crystal. Oh, there's a little spider in here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, he'll get some He's sound there. He's about to therapy, get a concert. But, and a little baby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, I have like to play these together.
0: So much. That is exquisite. Oh.
2: Should we play the waterfront? Yes. Please. <laughs>
0: please. Please, please. Oh.
2: That one is fun. Another kind of one of a kind, not in production anymore. Instruments. So there's water in the bottom here. Mm-hmm. And these are the harmonics of the metal rods vibrating into the water and being amplified in through here
0: and friends I just I want to share I know that many of you are familiar with the experiences of sound baths and sound healing and I surmise there are probably a number of you out there who haven't yet experienced this and if you have the opportunity wherever you may be to experience sound bath and or sound healing I highly encourage it it is tremendous it's wonderful
2: I'll be doing one next Friday for WESEC.
0: Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, right? in the
2: space. We do them maybe you know, once a month or so. And
0: what time is that?
2: Uh five thirty.
0: Five thirty. Oh my goodness. We're yeah. gonna be uh ending that's day one of our summit. It will be ending a little past that time, so I think folks in this case may have to do either or but oh. it's uh, we can
2: connect it, energetically. Yes, you know, we're absolutely. doing the same thing. <laughs> absolutely. All right, so.
0: I mean, it's so ethereal, and there's a, a very mysterious element to that one.
2: Yeah, that's usually the part of the sound journey when people are kind of have gone out more from the earth into the cosmic, yes. <laughs> like in, interstellar yeah. atmosphere. Yeah. That's where that fits in. It's it's kind of not the sounds we're used to hearing. Right. But my my um, feeling about sound-wise nourishing is we are multidimensional beings, mm-hmm. and we need food, or we, th- we think we need food. <laughs> it's part of our experience here, but we get fed on many levels. Yeah. Feeding isn't just the physical. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel that when we lived in nature more, when we didn't have cars and walls and... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 60 cycle hertz frequency surrounding us, and right. EMFs and mm-hmm. 4G and 5G. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of frequencies we're surrounded by that are kind of not necessarily harmonic. Yes. And not, they're man made, mm-hmm. and a lot of the frequencies are not nat- natural in the sense that nature, the waterfall, or the birds singing, or the wind in the trees, yes. these are things that feed us. So when we go into nature, we feel good because we're actually getting fed. Mm. And um, on these subtle levels, our emotional and mental body and beyond anything we can describe. Yeah. So my experience with working with, um, I love like uh, harmonic based, like this has a lot of overtones. And there's very, there's all the, and the didgeridoo, the crystal has a lot of harmonics or the water. And these are frequencies we don't necessarily hear very much. But there's something in it that's nourishing us, that's Mm -hmm. feeding our subtle bodies. Mm -hmm. And that's partly healing. Like If you're Mm. starving and you eat nutritious food, it heals your body. Or food can be medicine, but food isn't just physical. And I, I also feel we're moving into a phase on the planet because you know all the planets are speeding up their mm. frequencies. It's not just global warming. Mm-hmm. there's a frequency increase, which mm-hmm. includes consciousness. People are waking up. but we need to be nourished more by the subtle. that's yes. why I think homeopathy right. um, or subtle energies, um, light, aromatherapy, um, you know mental healing, emotional healing mm. is. As important as our physical but as yeah. we go into higher frequencies on the planet those will become more important mm-hmm. to attend to because we're becoming less dense yeah you know our bodies are just such a small portion of who we are mm. and so I think sound therapy and all the tools that we use that are subtle or you know subtle energy based or attending to the the higher harmonics of the physical is mm, everything mm. is structured in the universe is structured with octaves and harmonics
0: yeah.
2: we're just gonna it's just part of the evolution
0: beautiful it's so it's such a, a marvelous and exquisite time to be alive we are on the one hand able to learn so much and synthesize so much from different cultures and eras on the other hand our science is getting uh, fairly advanced to the point where we're starting to really be able to see things like the crystalline structure in water, the various brain waves and frequencies being affected by music and breathing. And it just, you know, as we're waking up, as we're learning together, I think it opens incredible opportunities for enhanced health and well being as individuals, households, families, neighborhoods, and of course healing at the planetary scale stewardship sustainability regeneration and it's Kimba just such a delight to have some time with you today and to be able to dive into some of this and share some of this with our audience and my hope is uh, in the coming months we'll have a lot more opportunities for collaboration and Mm cross-pollination and For those of us who are particularly living in in the urban landscapes, I think it's so important to develop a deeper practice, not only of the breathing, but of also getting into those natural environments and connecting with sound and music deliberately. And that's going to be part of what enhances our vitality, enhances our health, really as we do our our great work in the world Mm -hmm. and uh kimba as i often ask our guests i do want to ask you if there's if there's anything else you'd like to share with our audience before we sign off for today i want to give you that that opportunity and uh what a joy to do this with you
2: Mm -hmm. um no i'm just grateful to share and um you know, what, what I feel, if anything, you know, when I had my near-death experience, it wasn't like uh, I was shown this is what your mm-hmm. life is going to be. But mm-hmm. I was uh, I was shown a way to find my way in the world that mm-hmm. I could be happy and bring happiness to others. Mm-hmm. And And that might not be like a vocation. Like for me, it turned out to be sound, but other things too. And that will change over time. The form of the expression... But it's really coming from this place of centeredness in the heart, Mm. and that is my uh, prayer. That Mm. you know, like if I if I do a a sound journey, or if I someone listens to a CD, or my intention is that because I was given this gift to tap into that frequency of consciousness. Mm. Like like Joseph Campbell said, every culture (laughs) in the world um, story. The, the teaching of their story is follow your heart. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like? You know, I mean, it doesn't mean I am a sound therapist. I still don't even know what I'm <laughs> going to be when I grow up. Yeah. I, uh, I'm i just living from this place. And that's what the indigenous people teach us. And that's what I hope that I, the vibration as I tap into, I'm doing what I love, that people can tap into. They, they don't go, oh, wow, you're so great. But then what, you know, people mm-hmm. do this separation mm-hmm. thing. It's like, activate, okay, we're all the one, or we're all meant to operate from this place. That's what forms this geometry, mm-hmm. is the center of each of our hearts is this coherent geometry that I believe if everybody starts to live from that place, mm-hmm. we will tap into a new coherent frequency on the planet. Mm-hmm. Like in the cymatics, they talk about, you know, the water or the vibration creates geometries. And then it starts to increase on frequency and it goes into this chaos period, which we're at now. Mm -hmm. We're not in a new frequency yet. Mm -hmm. And then it goes to a new, higher, more complex geometry, which is really a higher dimension. But I feel like that's where we're at now. We're on this precipice of humanity tapping into a new geometry of how Mm -hmm. we relate to each other, which Mm -hmm. I think will be a lot like the bees, but a higher order of that. You know, the way the bees, and which is a similar um, structure of their hives, there's some universal, coherent, multidimensional, fractal geometry of Mm. God. Mm. The geometry of divinity, my partner says, is what um, God means. Uh, And um, I feel that that's our work, the great work, the alchemical work. Carl Jung talked about this, the transmutation of this base material of the physical 3D experience. It's the compost, you know, the soil, right? Mm-hmm. Is compost dirty isn't bad. Right. It's just, you know, we've gone through this period of dirt is bad. Mm. And we've polarized <laughs> the feminine,
1: yes. dirty right.
2: earth. And really it's just compost. It's mm. a stage of the soul's evolution of a un- individual mm. and a group. Mm. The collective humanity—we're all one—and I know this, even though I might not get along with everybody. I might not even be want to be in the <laughs> same room with a lot of them. Mm. But I know we're all one. Yeah. It doesn't—that's just my ego, personality mm. resonating, or you know. But it's—I know this, and that's what we're meant to become—is mm. like a group mind, but not like drums, not like the Grays or some kind of. Uh, fearful or the Borgs in Star Trek. You know, it's not like that. We have personality, but we are meant to operate as a unity. Like every cell in our body, this is another bio- molecular biology background. Yeah. Every cell in our body works with every other cell harmoniously, exchanging information and energy and materials. But it's all part of the one body. Mm-hmm. There's heart cells, there's liver cells, there's skin, there's infinite complexity, Mm. nervous system, blood. Mm. We're like that in the body of Gaia, you know, Mm. and we're part of this planet. We're not some kind of parasite or, Mm. I mean, I think we might have a virus, but it doesn't mean we are the virus. Right, right. Bodies Mm. can get viruses, but the viruses teach Mm. the immune system to go to a higher order of complexity. Mm. There's a gift in the virus. Mm. That's why you don't want to do immunizations because your body needs to learn how through this crisis, opportunity for change mm. and a higher order of complexity and I think that's what we're facing rather than polarize all the Illuminati and good and evil and there's crazy people and there's war mm. it's like no we're here to evolve we're all the one we're all God <laughs> really you know even the virus mm. <laughs> you know even if it, it, it seems evil but this is the model of um, staying in our hearts doing what we're here to do which might change over time. It's not a mm-hmm. it's a, not a vocation, like Eckhart yeah. Tolle says, primary purpose, being, be who you are. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Be you to the fullest. Mm-hmm. And together we all create this new geometry
1: yeah.
2: of what we're meant to become. You know, and nobody yeah. is better than anybody else. No matter what position you have, how much money, how beautiful you are, mm-hmm. there is no hierarchy in the universe. Mm-hmm. There's different structuring. But we can operate with such humility and unity and symbiosis, then um, I am here to I see that happen in my life and to live that as much as I'm able. But um, it's mm. a work in progress for all of us, you know.
0: Truly, well, thank you so much, Kimba. It's so thank wonderful you. to be with you today.
2: Thank you, Mahalo.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I hope. I hope. To all our relations.
3: The Why on Earth Community Stewardship and Sustainability podcast series is hosted by Aaron William Perry, author, thought leader, and executive consultant. The podcast and video recordings are made possible by the generous support of people like you. To sign up as a daily, weekly, or monthly supporter, please visit whyonearth.org backslash support. Support packages start at just $1 per month. The podcast series is also sponsored by several corporate and organization sponsors. You can get discounts on their products and services using the code Earth, all one word with a Y. These sponsors are listed on the whyonearth.org backslash support page.